0: pray with me. Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, Jesus, for the season that we get to set our eyes on you. Uh, they get, we get to focus in uh, with our family, with our friends, uh, on the true gift of life that you are. And so we just, we focus in on you. We want to magnify you, Jesus, this morning recognize that you are great and in this season, Lord, that is both joyful and for some uh, time of mourning as well or a difficult time, we, we just say that you are the God of presence, the God that is near, um, that is close to us uh, in the joys um, and in every challenge and every trial. And you're the one that came down to earth uh, and gave it all up, Jesus, became a man. So we thank you, Jesus. We just thank you this morning. Let's just take one more minute and just recognize Jesus, the king that became man. Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you this morning. So we give our hearts to you this morning. And joyfully, we say you are the king and we adore you. So would you be with us? Would you be near this morning? And in Jesus' name, amen. Amen? He's good. You guys can take a seat. Thanks, worship team. So every Christmas season, um, I, as we all do, you know, we have the Christmas story, we have all the Christmas films as well, and we're focusing in on Jesus uh, becoming a baby, coming to earth for all the mankind. And it's at that same time that I'm reflecting on the whole life of Jesus, on the cross, right, on his resurrection, on my life now with Jesus. Um, And I always feel really challenged, I feel challenged because it's a time that I, And recognizing that this season, this act of Jesus becoming man, should have a complete, you know, upside down impact on my life without Jesus. My life should look totally different in the way that I love my family, in the way that I love my neighborhood, in the way that I love the world. And so um, we're going to be doing something special when we head into the new year. Um, that I want to share with you guys this morning um, that you can start signing up for now, and it's called the Matthew 25 Challenge. Uh, so we're going to show a video, and then I'll talk about it for a minute. You can play that video.
1: Come, you are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepare for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous would answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invited you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me.
0: The Matthew 25 challenge was a transformational moment for my family and I. There's one particular day when the challenge was to sleep on the floor and I walked by my daughter's room, and she was already there on her sleeping bag reading her Bible. The Matthew 25 challenge was an incredibly spiritual experience for me personally. God was teaching us different things every day and sharing it with each other was really exciting. Well, when it came to the Water Day challenge, three words come to mind, caffeine, withdrawal, headaches. Going without coffee all day was a lot harder than I thought. I'd get these headaches, but every time I did, it would remind me of the six kilometer walk that women and children have to do to get unclean water. My first
1: thought was, this'll be easy. I grew up missing meals and sleeping on the floor, but my daughters, not so much. They were challenged to come out of their Wi-Fi life and actually experience what kids around the world experience every single day.
0: Cool, huh? So we're going to be participating in that as a church um, the first week of January, kicking off on January second, um, and I want to invite you guys to be a part of that. Um, we have, as I said, uh, pretty much every year at this time with my with my own kids. I'm asking questions about as a dad, and then SJ and I as a, as parents, what are we doing to not just teach our kids to be good kids? We don't want just a moral life. We want a life completely given over to Jesus, and we're always looking for opportunities to engage with that as a family. So um, the Matthew 25 challenge, it's a week-long challenge. You sign up via a text, and you can sign up anywhere between now and January 2nd. Um, And you sign up, and then starting on the 2nd, you get a text every morning with the scripture that you're supposed to read uh, with uh, your family or friends or whoever you're doing it with. Um, and then there's a challenge for that day, uh, as you know. And so, you know, one of the passages, when I was thirsty, you gave me water, and so something to drink. And so for that one, you drink only water, as a recognition that lots of the world does not even have clean water, and that Jesus says we get to be a part of solving that for others. Mm-hmm. There's another day where you, I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. And so for that day, you uh, have a very simple meal. There's a few different ways to do that with your family. Um, as a recognition that lots of the world doesn't even have food to eat, right? And they go hungry most days. So um, I'm really looking forward to this, this is something that my family will be doing. It might be a bit modified because we have some very small children, um, as you can tell by, you know, what they were sharing on the video. Um, but you can start signing up today. So we're going to be starting that in three weeks. Um, if you want to sign up, um, you want to go to that next one, Damon? If you want to sign up, you actually can pull your phone out right now and sign up. And you can sign up, and then you... You'll get texted on January 2nd to let you know um, that that's starting. So if that's something that you're thinking right now, I want to be a part of that. My family wants to be a part of that. Or you have a group of friends. Um, I think, you know, a lot of times that kind of time together, this is an easy, easy thing for you to do if you have a group of people that you're connected with, your house church. You guys can say, yeah, hey, let's let's do that. You can talk about that uh, tonight at your house church and say, I want to be a part of that. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. It's kind of a season that lots of us make, New Year's resolutions. And I, wanna, I just want new revelation as I head into the new year. Mm-hmm. I want to experience Jesus, so I'm excited for that. Yeah. Yep.
2: Sounds like so, a great way to do that.
0: Yep, it is. Yeah. So we have that going on. We also have something else coming up this next week. You show yeah,
2: it. so next Sunday we actually have a photo booth uh, outside
0: mm-hmm.
2: here uh, for you to do Christmas photos with your family. And so uh, I think JJ is going to be taking mm-hmm. pictures. Uh, Rhoda is going to be setting up um, a whole scene out here. Mm-hmm. Uh, for us to take pictures and and then uh, so it's a great way for you to invite people to that hey we're doing family pictures today if you want to come and enjoy that it should be should be a lot of fun and it'll be really fun to see everybody's pictures afterwards so yeah yeah
0: so and part of that too is um, that's kind of uh, this is the time that lots of people if they're going to come to church this is the time and so if you have someone in mind, that's a great opportunity. Invite them to come. They can come get photos for free. They don't need to do anything or give any kind of information to us. So they just give us their email, that's it. And then they'll take the photo and then send them the pictures uh, when they're ready. Yeah. So this is a great opportunity. So if there's someone you, know, you have in mind, you know, nudge the person next to you and say, hey, so who should we invite to that? That's, this is the kind of time to do that, this, yeah. this coming week. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, if you're new or this is your first time, my name is Drew Simpson. This is Matt McCarter. We're both pastors here. We're really happy you're here. Welcome. Um, We would love to meet you and know that you're here to let us uh, know that you are. um, The best way to do that is to fill out the I'm New card, which is the blue card over at the info table here after the service. And if you fill that out, um, you get an amazing gift from a ministry we support overseas that helps people in slavery um, create uh, sustainability through Business and the gospel. It's an amazing story. You get to hear more about it if you fill the card out. Um, and know this if this is your first time with us, this is where we come together and we meet with a God that is alive and is speaking this morning, and He wants to meet and speak with you this morning. Nice. And so as we get into the word, know that. Mm. I think we're ready. Can I pray yeah, for you? Let's do it. Okay. Would you guys pray with me? <laughs> Jesus, we thank you for Matt. We thank you for what He has prepared. We ask that you would um, speak. Through him this morning, that you would make our hearts responsive uh, to your voice. We ask that we be sensitive this morning to what you are saying, to what you're speaking. Again, Jesus, as I've been praying this morning, this is just the time to focus in on you. We love you and we're thankful that we get to hear from you this morning. And so we say yes this morning to you. We say yes to your voice, to the way you're leading us. And we want to surrender to you. There's nothing else, Jesus, we need more than you. And so we love you. We're thankful that we get to meet with you this morning. So draw close, and we thank you, Jesus, for Matt what he's going to share. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.
2: Good morning. So last Sunday we were not here. We started a new series, uh, What Greater Love Christmas Series. I can't think of a, a more wintry winter, especially for this South Carolinian. Uh, To be uh, sharing in this Christmas time with you Uh, and so what what we're going to do today is we're going to look at Hebrews 4 um, and we're going to look at how Jesus is a sympathetic high priest and so as I was preparing for this week I was reminded of a conversation that I had with my uncle his name is Joe Uh, he's not really my uncle he just is married to my aunt you know and they got married later in life so I mean technically he's my uncle but I don't have any, like, memories of him as a kid, you know? Uh, And so I expect to see them anytime we go home. And um, it's always up for debate whether I'm going to, like, fully engage with Joe. Because he's kind of like this prickly person. And he would say that about himself, you know? It's not like I'm offending him. But he's, like, he's just this guy that is, like, on edge and, like, kind of hard to be around. I'm not sure how he's going to respond to these questions. And so we went and visited my aunt and Joe and I I decided to engage him, you know? And so during this season of life, if you haven't seen anyone in a while, there's something that you're going to engage with automatically from the get-go, right? Which is pandemic vaccines and mandate. And so he goes on this rant about all those things and what he thinks. And then he launches into his solution, to all of these things, right? And I'm thinking, that's a that's a great idea. You know, those things are what you've said are are not bad. But you have one problem with that idea is that you haven't accounted for the depravity of man. And <laughs> uh, so you put up whatever solution you want, and it's it's gonna fail because there's there's corruption in us, right? And that actually got him, that actually stumped him. He stopped talking and I was like, oh, I got it. Yeah, you know? And so even though he started out on this path of things I don't really wanna talk about, I'm looking for avenues to insert the gospel and that's one of them, right? And so we, we go on, we start having this great conversation about the Lord and his kingdom and his kingdom coming and he's engaging with me, right? And then and we got to the end of it and he, he made a statement. He, he said, I'm really happy for you. He said, I'm, I'm really glad that you're happy, that you found something that makes you happy. But I don't believe the same thing. And it was just like this intense kind of sadness like happened. I just stopped talking for a little bit and it, like, oh man, that's 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 tough to hear. Like, you're my aunt's husband, you know, and so you're having influence in my family with what you think. And he grew up Catholic and is jaded in all sorts of ways, you know, about Christianity. But I just I just ended the conversation because I didn't know what else to say. And so in preparing for this week, it made me stand thinking about that conversation, it made me think about why are we here? Why Christianity? Why Jesus? Why do you call yourself a Christian? You know? I think Hebrews is, is going to, to, to focus in on that and gives us a, a few answers. And so I'll read the text. It's Hebrews chapter four, verse 14 through 16 says this. Since then we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so there's four things that I want to point out within this text and I want you to think about what it's saying about Jesus and who he is and what he's done for us. And so the first one is this. Uh, Hebrews 4.14 starts out with it. That, that this great high priest, Jesus Christ, has passed through heaven. And that's, that's a little bit weird uh, of a, a pass through heaven. What does that mean? The NIV translated as that he ascended into heaven after he died. And John 3.13 says that what is it that he ascended, but that he descended, that he came down to us, right? And in John six, he says on repeat, that he is the hidden manna that has come down out of heaven. So there's this great crowd that he has recently just fed. There's 5,000 people he's fed with one, two loaves and a basket of fish, right? I fed all of them and yet they're chasing him down. And so if you want really something true uh, to give you life, it's me. It's this bread that's come down out of heaven. Uh, I, uh, I, I taught missions at ABI for a few years. And uh, the way that I started one of those classes was uh, to see who had been involved in missions and what capacity they were willing to go after they took class, after they graduated ABI. And so I started asking and went around the classroom. And the, the first one was uh, that, that he had been actually involved in AVM missions for a while, right? Uh, gone out and done VBS work uh, in the villages. And then another one was from a village. And so was very active actually with Bill Pagran and going out and ministering to the villages. And as I progressed, I got to one individual who said, I don't know if I'm up for, for going anywhere. There may not be a McDonald's in the place that we travel to. And that's a problem for me. And I was dumbfounded. There's not a McDonald's in the place that you might go to? Don't you realize what God left to come to us and yet you won't? I think he came back then because there wasn't McDonald's yet, right? And so just, just thinking about what God left to come to the earth. Isaiah 6 is actually this, this recording of Isaiah's vision in the throne room. And he's, he's saying that, that God is so big that his robe fills the throne room. And that there are these creatures with six wings and eyes all over them flying around, crying out, Holy, holy, holy is he. And Isaiah, realizing where he is, falls down and says, I'm not worthy to be here. I'm a man of unclean lips who lives with people with unclean lips. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2, speaking of the gospel, he says, But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. And so there are numerous Writers throughout Scripture that have these visions of God, and their reaction is to fall down as though they are dead. And yet, Jesus is willing to leave this place of unity with the Father, right? Of, of no sin, of perfect harmony, of no corruption, and yet he, he comes down to the earth to be with us. And so, if you're asking the question, why Christianity... That's a big one, right? That he would leave his abode in heaven and come down to us. It's actually no other world religion has that. We've already got a gold star as Christians. But he doesn't stop there. This eternal creator God who comes to, hev- comes to earth from heaven is not only worthy of our worship because he left, he's worthy of our worship because he became like us. The second point is that he he puts on flesh. Hebrews 4.15 says, "'We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with us.'" So he clothes himself in flesh. John actually says in 1 John 1.1, "'That which from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Who is Jesus? They've, they've touched him. They've, they've heard him. They've seen him. They're not describing him as though he's some mythical creature that came down out of heaven. He's actually clothed in flesh, just like they are. Luke records that he's born of Mary wrapped in swaddling clothes. And you all know what happens as a baby, right? What you do to diapers, right? So Jesus, this son of God, has come down and put on flesh and entered into our weakness like no other God has. Luke goes on to record in 2, chapter uh Chapter 2, verse 40, that he grew and became strong and filled with wisdom. And in order to grow, you have to be at some point weak, right? And so there's all of these, uh, these, these physical uh, attributes that are, that are part of Jesus' life on earth. Uh, as he's journeying through Israel, he becomes tired like we are. As he's hanging on the cross... He's thirsty. Cries out, "I, I thirst. I, I, need something to drink." The God of heaven needs something to quench His thirst. And so, this idea that He's He's become fully human and walking with us is something that that I think is for me is is easy to reject. It's like it's like, ah, well, He they had it rigged, you know, like he was going to get through it all the way fine you know even though he became a baby it's rigged somehow in his favor philippians 2 says this verse 5 through 7 it says have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of god did not count equality with god a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And so he he somehow enters into our weakness fully human. Hebrews chapter five goes on to to say this, verse one, for every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God. To offer gifts and sacrifices for sin, he can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset in weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifices for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. Verse 7, speaking of Jesus. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And so now you have this, this God who's willing to leave heaven, but also become a man and put on flesh to physically limit himself within his creation to experience what he created as a human being. But it's not just with a physical sense that he enters into this. See, he's fully human in his emotions as well. So he knows what it's like to feel the burden of everyday life. And of course you're familiar with the the story of, of Satan tempting Jesus as he comes out of the wilderness Satan comes to Christ and says if you just worship me I'll give you all these things right that's not a physical thing that Satan is pointing towards it's his pride right it's the, the pride of life what you see I'll give it to you That's not a physical attribute that you're experiencing, but an emotion, a heart-level emotion. He's digging in, do you really wanna follow Christ, follow the Lord and his plan, or will you take what I'll offer you? And so God isn't immune to what it feels like to be a human. There are all these feeling statements throughout the Gospels. Jesus meeting the Roman centurion says that he marveled at his faith. Mark 9, 19 says, "'O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you?' I don't know about you, but I I feel that, especially with my children, right? These little toddlers running around. How long am I going to have to live with you in my house, right? How long do I have to put up with you destroying things? And yet, here Jesus is expressing that. How long do I have to put up with these faithless people? That's not something that I expect to hear Jesus saying as I'm traversing the Gospels, right? Right? And then he comes to the temple and he expresses righteous anger. Isn't God just supposed to be a God of love? And yet here he is forming a whip and turning over tables? But the one that most of the time we come to in regards to Jesus being a sympathetic high priest is John 11. It says, When Jesus saw her, Mary, weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. God coming out of heaven isn't supposed to be or uh, supposed to be stronger than than me, right? And yet we have a we have a, a God who is coming into our world and sharing the burden of this life. You, you know what it's like to experience your own sin, right the effects of your sin. You also know what it's like to experience other people's sin, possibly even directed at you. Sinful action being directed at you is difficult, right? And yet as a church, we are called to walk with people through life, through this corrupted experience, through our own sin, right? I'm not saying that Jesus had sin. He was perfect. The text just told us that. But what I am saying is that his presence on this earth, him being fully human, he entered into our experience. And this is it. He's weeping because of the sin that led to Lazarus' death, right? Romans says that. The consequences of sin is death. There's no way around it. And so he's looking around. All all these people, the Jews, Martha and Mary, are experiencing the consequences of death and I'm entering into it with you. And he feels it. And he expresses it. He's walking in the brokenness of the world. And he's doing that with us. The best example that I have of this was actually visiting Marla and Randy in the Philippines. It's our first trip. We've been married for less than a year, I think. Um, and we were, we were visiting RBI um, on the second story. And uh, Randy says, Hey, I want to introduce you to this guy. His name's pastor Reynolds. Um He's going to, he's going to show you around around Manila, show you his, his part of, uh, the ministry here. And I thought, okay, yeah. And so I meet Pastor Reno and I notice that he's a little bit different than me. He's totally blind. And I think, okay, uh, you're going to lead me around a city of 1.7 million people. Okay. I'll, I trust Randy. Here we go. Right. So Maranatha and I set out and go down the stairs, out around the corner, walk down the street, uh, we get on this this jeepney, which is like a small bus with very loud music and a lot of exhaust. And I climb very strategically into the back of this, sitting down next to Pastor Reynold and my wife. And a few seconds later, everybody in the in the jeepney or the bus starts laughing. And Pastor Reynold reluctantly looks at me and says, uh, you have to pay twice, you're the size of two Filipinos. <laughs> so I reached in my pocket and got out my money paid and I mean, I'm, I'm not at home right and so uh, we keep going down the street and, and he knows exactly where to get off and we walk a couple blocks down the street and then he leads us to this trike which is a, a small motorbike with a you know exactly what I'm talking about with a sidecar and I think if I was too big to get in the jeepney I'm way too big to get on that thing but I did And so we got on this thing and we rode down the street and then he hops off and uh, we walk a couple more blocks and we walk into this schoolyard and uh, he walks into a classroom and there's probably 12 or 15 different kids in there who are totally blind. And then I understood what it means to have a sympathetic high priest. There's nobody in there that can preach. I can't preach to those people. I can't share the gospel in the same way that Pastor Raynell can to these kids because he knows exactly what it's like to walk as a blind person, to lose his sight, and can talk to them and say, I know that you're completely blind, but so am I, and Jesus is worth it. He's perfectly adapted to sympathize with those children. And yet, right now, within this room, there's someone, I don't know exactly who, somebody saying this. Somebody saying, Jesus doesn't understand my life. Jesus doesn't understand what I'm going through. My life is too heavy for him to have understood this. And so maybe, maybe it's some uh, health diagnosis. Maybe it's the loss of someone very special to you. Maybe uh, it's, it's your marriage. Jesus was never married. And so how can he relate to me as a married person? And there might be someone in the room, I, I really don't know who, who might say, Jesus can't sympathize with me because he was never pregnant. I mean, I might have heard that recently. I'm not sure. (laughs) You don't know what it's like to be pregnant, to, to give birth to a child, right? That's not true. It isn't true. He sympathizes with you across the board on every level and here's why. Number four, he knows our current pain. Hebrews four sixteen says, draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So Christ is not unaware of your current hardships. He's well acquainted with your suffering. And the reason that I can say that is that if you boil down every hardship, every affliction, every tribulation, it comes down to two different pathways. And you choosing which way to go, one of them is comforting myself under my own right, with my own hand, with my own abilities. I can comfort myself or I can deny myself, take up my cross, and follow him. And if every experience that you have in this life is a choice of those two pathways, then he is our greatest example of choosing to follow God's plan. He is our comforter because he knows he knows exactly what you're going through. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he displays it. Matthew 26, 39 says, Going a little further, he fell face down and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, let this pass for me. Yet not as I will, but as your will. Hebrews 12, 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning at shame and sat down right at the right hand of the throne of God. And so he knows what it's like to sit in that moment, to know the affliction of what you're going through and the decision that you're going to make. He was tempted in the same way and yet he still doesn't stop there. For those of you who are believers, Christ has done more to enter into your hardships because Christ is with you now. Matthew 28 20 says. I am always, this is the the end of the great commission. He calls them to go out to go to all the nations and he says I am with you always until the end of the age. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? This inward dwelling of the holy God, the Holy Spirit, who testifies to Christ, is why Paul can write in Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ. No matter what is happening out there, whether I'm inconceivably poor or rich, I can do this. I can traverse this because the God of heaven resides in me John 17, 20 through 23. I am not asking on behalf of them alone, meaning his disciples who he had just prayed for, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me. That's us. Through their message, that all of them may be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfectly united, so that the world may know that you sent me, and have loved them just as you have loved me. It's this, it's this union of us with God, of him dwelling in us. This shared experience says as you are traversing through life, God is not some distant being off in heaven wondering how it's going to play out. He's right here with you experiencing your pain and your hardship So not only do we have a God who left his perfect home in heaven, we have a God who put on flesh, who entered into our weaknesses by becoming a man. And more so than that, he, he felt the heaviness, the burden of this life not becoming immune to how this place works. And even more than that, he is with us until he returns. There's nothing greater than that. No other world religion even comes close to Christianity in those regards. That God would give up his life and then place himself in you—that's not even thinkable. And yet, it's for all of those reasons and more that he is completely and utterly worth all of my worship, worth my entire life, worth tr- worth tr- uh, worth going through any amount of hardships, any amount of stress, any amount of loss in order to gain him. It's for that reason we can rejoice above all else. So as we respond to God's word, those of you who want to have that presence who want to know Christ who want to become one with him I want to invite you to, uh, to come and pray we're going to have a couple of people over here to, to pray with you just to, to voice that to someone that you want and desire him to dwell in you and to walk with you through this life there's no greater prize that you could have as we worship respond to him to his call to him coming down to us Emmanuel Christ with us let's pray Father we we thank you for your word we thank you for you uh, you giving up your life in order to redeem us to yourself and so God I, I ask that if there's anyone in the room that is that is burdened by pain, God, would you lift them up? Would you would you make make them aware of your presence with them? That you are walking with them. That you you are you are wanting them to experience life with you, no matter the hardship. So, God, I ask for those who who don't know you in that way, God, that they would they would uh, they would begin to know you that they would cry out, just as you did, to know you and to love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As you celebrate this season, I would encourage you to remember that that God is not just this God in the distance. He's there with you, the I am the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who is worthy of everything that we have, came down to us, Emmanuel. We so often think of it just as Emmanuel, this cute baby, right? Christmas time, his birthday. You know, he's not coming back as that, right? He's coming back as a victorious King. And that's who we're gonna celebrate with. That's who resides in you so we don't officially leave till 1230. Hang out, have some fun, help us tear down. We do have house church tonight. So check with your house church leaders, to see what the plan is. Um, we have an update to our food announcement. If you're having trouble finding food, we would love to help you with that. We also have a baby formula that we can help with. So come and find one of us afterwards or come and meet us at the office anytime this week. May God bless you uh, as you go throughout your week loving others and worshiping him because he's worthy